Welcome to One Hour in the Past, a podcast series presented by the St. Catharines Museum and Welling Canal Center and hosted by me, Adrian Petrie, Visitor Services Coordinator, and Kathleen Powell, Curator and Supervisor of Historical Services. Our community is filled with diverse stories, and we recognize that our story begins with the Indigenous peoples of this land. We acknowledge that we are recording this podcast on lands that have been inhabited by Indigenous peoples for millennia, and we would like to honor the centuries of Indigenous peoples who have walked on Turtle Island before us. As museum professionals, our jobs are many-fold. Managers, curators, interpreters, researchers, and much, much more. We found ourselves pining for some interesting and perhaps wild history in our daily work. Have you ever noticed that a simple search for information can lead you in strange and wonderful directions? As in Alice's Adventures in Wonderland, historical research can lead you down a winding rabbit hole that might take you off your original path and lead you to new and amazing historical places. This podcast begins with that premise. Each of us has just one hour to research a topic. We research separately and then come back together to discuss where one hour in the past has taken us. If you're joining us for the first time on One Hour in the Past, make sure to subscribe to the podcast and head back in the archives to catch the other episodes of Historical Adventures. On today's episode, we're going to talk about stuffed animals. So go grab your fuzzy wuzzy bears and we'll get started. The world has changed a lot in the last little while, so I just want to note that Adrian and I are recording today's podcast by following the recommended physical distancing practices. We're fortunate to have some very long lapel microphones, and so Adrian and I are approximately four meters apart, even though it probably sounds like we're pretty close. Before we jump into the episode, I'll give you a definition of a stuffed animal. Actually, there are two. <laughs> the first is the intended topic of today's podcast, a toy animal made of fabric stuffed with a soft filling. Interesting. And the second is perhaps a tangent we may find ourselves on, a dead animal that has been stuffed by a taxidermist. Okay, so uh, for this podcast, I've brought along my own stuffy, which is called Ollie. And uh, he, she is a, uh, a, an <laughs> octopus, a stuffed octopus. It's a Thai uh, stuffed animal with huge, huge eyes and a little small happy face. And it's pink with polka dots on it. We'll have a picture <laughs> attached to the bottom of the, uh, the blog post that goes with this podcast if you want to see what Ollie looks like. Uh, and I encourage everyone else to go and get your stuffies and have your stuffies ready. And let's go. Okay, here we go. Kathleen, you ready to start? I'm ready. Um, maybe, let's mix it up. So I'm going to go first to tell you where I started and where I ended up. Yep. And then you tell us where you started and where you ended up. And then you go first. Okay. Through, your, yeah, through the discussion. Fine. And then I'll go after you. Sound good? Yeah. Okay. So I started off my research by looking for teddy bears in the collection. I didn't find any, but that's doesn't mean that we don't have any it just means that the computer says it couldn't find any so <laughs> that's part of the complication uh, but we did have a stuffed bunny left here in 2015 which I promptly took on took on an adventure if you remember way yes, back I do it's uh, we named him found bunny because he was a lost and found bunny <laughs> and so found bunny went on a bunch of adventures and so I'll post the blog post of some really funny pictures 
about uh, his adventures in the footnotes to the episode. So that's kind of where I started. I was like, oh, interesting. Because I was looking on the blog to see if there's any, you know, stuffed animal content. And there was found bunny. So that was kind of a nice little trip down memory lane. A picture, sorry, I feel like there is a picture in our collection of someone having a little tea party with stuffed animals. Ooh, I've seen that I one. I think you're right. But you're right. There's I have never live, seen. There's also like a dog in that one too, yeah. Right. Yeah. I don't think I've seen any stuffed animals actually pulled out of a box right. someplace in the back. I will post the, the picture of the tea party in the footnotes too. That's a good one. So I ended up, if you're going to laugh because that's <laughs> nothing to do with stuffed animals and you're gonna laugh why i ended up with thomas edison's phonograph that was invented in 1877 <laughs> so it's a huge tangent <laughs> <laughs> it is yeah and i won't give any clues as to how i ended up there but you'll just have to wait and listen and see yeah i can't wait so i started for a change i did not look for local references on the topic i didn't start there Usually I, I start off with just a general search but uh, and then end up with a local search. But this time around, I got off on a tangent almost immediately. And so I didn't end up getting any local searching in. I could have spent hours on this, search, on this particular research topic. But uh, anyway, I started off with the uh, general place where you would think, which was like the first commercially available stuffed animals, the first stuffed toys back you know back in the roman days Uh, so i started off with that and where i ended up was in 2014 with furby (laughs) so oh no we will talk a little bit about furby because 2014 well the last iteration of furby was in 2014 which is not that long ago surprisingly i've blocked it out So I don't know anything but about I it. But I did uh, I did end up with Furby and a few Furby words. Nice. That's weird. <laughs> Ooh. Furby gives me the heebie-jeebies. So. Furby was a weird-looking animal, for sure. Um, so, yeah, that's where I kind of stayed on toys the whole time. Cool. Um, I did not. <laughs> but I did go on a tangent away from historical kind of toys, really. Right. I mean, I guess it depends on how you define historical, so... Yeah. Um, so yeah, do you want me to go? Th- I'll go through where I've uh, yeah. where I've been yeah, and first. what I did. Yeah. So I started out by looking at the history of stuffed toys in general and found out that you know, unsurprisingly, toys have been referred to as many different things because we call them all kinds of different things: plush toys, plushies, snuggies, stuffies, snugglies, <laughs> and <laughs> all kinds of things. But essentially, what it all comes down to is that stuffed animals were considered, or stuffed toys were considered the holy grail of toys. I thought this was the best um, kind of definition of a stuffed toy because when you look at, when you have your stuffed toys and you think about them, they do feel like, you know, that comfort, they provide security. Um, even when you're an adult, you want to have something that you can hug. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know too many adults that aren't interested in hugging a stuffed toy mm. if they see one. And found out that most societies had some form of animal replicas, mm. uh, whether they were stuffed or not. So it could be paintings or carvings or stuffed things, wooden toys, whatever they were. But the Romans in 300 BC were the first kind of evidence that we have of stuffed 
toys of some sort, and they were basically rag dolls filled cool. with straw or sand um, and uh, that would be played with uh, by children. Could you imagine a sand stuffed animal? Like, I know that's what they had, yeah. but... It wouldn't There'd be, be very sand cozy. everywhere. <laughs> It'd just be leaking. I just imagine it leaking. Yeah, it's sand. true. That's very true. Yeah. Straw would be wouldn't be Straw, very cozy no. either, though. Like it would be crunchy and not very cozy. <laughs> so really, just rags would be the best way to go. But mm -hmm. I mean, it makes sense that first historical toys would be rags because they would uh, uh, be things that were left over, and you they didn't have any other purpose or use in your household so you could use them to make a toy uh, and kids are very inventive and make toys out of everything and even now kids still make toys out of rags and things like that the other thing is is I, I was thinking about this during this search is that just because their earliest reference and potential artifact they have goes back to the Romans there may have been stuffed toys before that that just didn't survive. Absolutely, Firstly, yeah. because it's a long time for something to survive, but also because kids wear out their toys and a rag right. toy would get worn out. I know uh, my kids had blankies. <laughs> and I still have them. And the one, the blankie is like shredded. It's right. practically <laughs> threadbare. I don't want to throw it away. I mean, I really should, but I don't want to throw it away. But you can see that it was well used. Right. And so something to have to last, you know, 2,500 years or, you know, let's say 1,500 years in history. That's a long time for something that's already pretty threadbare yeah. to have to last. That's so true. I didn't think about that. Yeah. So I know that we have a stuffed toy in our house that belonged to my husband when he was a kid. And at some point when he was a kid, my mother-in-law told me this, stuffed bear had his skin replaced. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and it's... <laughs> I don't know what that really way to means, put it. but in actual, I think in actual fact, it was a whole new bear, but yeah. that was because he was so well loved that all of the fur on him was right. completely like worn down. So it's a skin replacement, <laughs> yeah. but actually it's just maybe even just transferring the stuff, the inside to the new bear or just get, yeah. is it just, just a, a funny excuse bear, of saying like a brand new bear? Yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah. We have oh, the newer so version of, uh, of Teddy right. in our house, but uh, I don't know what first version of Teddy looked like. <laughs> anyway, uh, back to my research. Found out that uh, in 1880s, the first commercial toy making company was the Stife Bear hmm. Company, which mm -hmm. was uh, kind of invented or just put together by Margaret Stife, who started making stuffed elephants, actually. She didn't oh. even start with stuffed bears. Most people would recognize these bears. They're pretty well recognizable out there. They have articulated arms and legs, and uh, they're really hard to come by nowadays, and they're worth a bit of money if you have original ones. Mm -hmm. uh, but they originally started making stuffed animals that were pin cushions, ah. but then found out that kids were starting to play with them, and so they branched off into starting to make... Uh, animals for commercial production so people could buy them for their kids and not play with pins right yeah and by the 1890s they were making a whole variety of stuffed animals right. um, but the bears are the most well-known that you would see today um, and they interesting thing about them and I hadn't really thought about this is how would you commercially make stuffed animals if you were used to making an animal one at a time by sewing all the pieces together stuffing it with whatever it is you're stuffing it with how do you create that into a process that can be made 
more than one. I'm sure you're going <laughs> to, looks like you have more information about that, but <laughs> I didn't go there. Right. All oh, I good, know I is yeah. that Stife used an upholstering technique yeah. in their manufacturing to, uh, to build cool. their stuffed toys. Neat. Um, did find out that uh, um, the first mass-produced stuffed toy in the U.S. was something called Ithaca Kitty. I don't know what that looks like. I couldn't find a photo of it. Mm. I'm sure there's one out there, but I just didn't have time. And then in 1903, they started using like faux fur for, for fabric to make bears and toys and stuff like that. It didn't even occur to me that they didn't start with fur. So I thought right. that was really interesting. It was just a fabric thing. Yeah, yeah. like cotton or whatever. Like was, if you were making it there. at home kind of. Yeah. yeah. So then I kind of got on a little tangent about the teddy bear mm -hmm. being named after um, United States President Theodore Roosevelt when he saved a bear cub uh, and someone f and someone kind of made a photo of it, or not a photo, a cartoon, yeah. did a kind of a, a caricature of it, and mm -hmm. then a guy named Morris Mitchton created the first stuffed bear off of that photo, which was called the teddy bear, which is where that came from, which is kind of an interesting thing, and yeah. it's... I don't know if everyone knows that that's how Teddy Bear became the name, but yeah. uh, it's a great connection to American history. So I was there. I, I kind of started you a Teddy Bear. Too. I'll explain that a little bit later. But part of the story is is that the reason why the cartoon was drawn was that Ted, uh, Teddy Roosevelt was on a hunting trip. And they had, they I guess they were somewhat stalking a bear uh, <laughs> and the guys on the trip went and captured the bear and was and were beating it. And then they tied it up and said to the president, go ahead and shoot it. And the president refused. And so the cartoon came out of that, that uh, this was uh, Teddy's, Teddy's bear that he wasn't going to, he refused to shoot. And he looked like a really, you know, nice, humane, humane person. And, and, but he actually said for them to kill it and put it, to put it out of its misery because they had, you know, treated it so poorly. God, that's a terrible, so he, he didn't <laughs> that's shoot. a good but terrible story. <laughs> he didn't shoot it, but, you know. I read that the cartoon's first version was it made it with like a more realistic looking black bear. Yeah. And then a later version of their cartoon that we'll post in the footnotes is this sort of Mickey Mouse looking bear with enormous Mickey Mouse ears and a teeny little face and a little bear cub. Like cute. Like the cutesy level goes way through the roof, right? And then that's... That's the cartoon that inspires the, the teddy bear. Yeah. That's the interesting way to amend a story over time. Yes. yes. <laughs> over a very short period of time because it happened, yeah. you know, like probably within months. For so. sure. Yeah. I'll leave my interjection there and, and we'll come back. and. So before I went on a tangent from here, I found out that in 1903, a Peter Rabbit toy was the first toy Ooh. to be patented. Cool. So that was... Uh, you know, where someone was protecting the rights to a very specific kind of toy. Um, and then I went on a tangent because I got interested in the history of sock monkeys. <laughs> so, <laughs> so <laughs> I have this stuffed animal in oh my, my office here on the shelf oh, that yeah, looks yeah. a little bit like a sock monkey, but it's a sock monkey moose. moose. Yeah. I guess a sock moose, not a sock <laughs> monkey. Um, so apparently sock monkeys were popular during the Depression, uh, because it was a specific kind of sock that was very popular called Rockford Red. Mm. Rockford Red heeled socks. And during the Depression, when someone wore those socks to the point where they didn't want to wear them anymore, then a parent, mother, assumedly, would make that sock into a, a stuffed toy, which looked like a monkey. Um, and um, 
the company that owned this, the Rockford Red Heel Sock Company, actually started including a pattern for making sock monkeys in yes. there awesome. with every socks, every pair of socks that was sold. Um, I and love that. Apparently, they still do. Oh no way! If you buy these socks, you they come with a a, a, a pattern for making the sock monkey. Oh, that's so cool. Although nowadays, there's lots of different kinds of sock mm. monkey type toys, mm -hmm. uh, different animals and things like that. Um, but uh, they're definitely uh, interesting. Th the thing I thought was so interesting about the sock monkey toy is that because your mom made it for you, depending on what material she had in, that, in her rag bag at the time, it could mean you had button eyes or eyes made out of thread or eyes made out of some other fabric or something like that. And so every single one was personalized differently. Your sock monkey might have clothes if your mom had some rags that she could make into clothes or otherwise your sock monkey might be naked. Who knows? Um, so the I really loved the, uh, the personalization of the sock monkey kind of toy. And then in this, this, I be, this is a really weird tangent. So sock monkey is super interesting. I really loved it. It made me want to make a sock monkey. I've never done that, but I really want to now. But we'll see if I do that. And then I ended up on the weirdest tangent from there, which was Tickle Me Elmo. Oh. <laughs> oh so because sock monkeys were so popular, I wanted to know what other popular toys were out there. And there were tons, obviously. Uh, but then I ended up on this tangent about toys that became almost crazy popular right and tickle me elmo was the first if you i don't know if you recall you probably don't recall tickle me elmo as a phenomenon but i oh, i do do oh, you no, okay yeah, yeah. Yeah. i definitely do because my oldest son is exactly the right age right <laughs> for that toy <laughs> i was a touch a, a touch older but i remember not wanting one because it was weird yeah like, like not weird as in like uncool weird as in like creepy weird. like I don't want it to move. And also those electronic things aren't comfy. They've got plastic in them. Yeah. And like, so when we get to Furby, like you can feel the plastic. That's not fun. It's not a cuddly toy. Yeah. So Tickle Me Elmo, for those who don't know, came out in 1996, mm -hmm. uh, but it became incredibly popular in 1997. Thanks to Rosie O'Donnell, who was a talk show host at oh, the time. Yeah. And Rosie O'Donnell had a young son and she talked up Tickle Me Elmo on her talk show. And boom. And this was like the very, in my mind, the first celebrity um, kind of craze for a toy. Uh, and there were actually stampedes going after Tickle Me Elmo. Wow. Originally, it retailed for $28.99, but there were examples of people paying $1,500 for Tickle wow. Me Elmo. And we see this nowadays. Yes. Whenever the most popular toy comes out, people are crazy about it. Yeah. Uh, I think there's a movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger yes. where he's going looking for an action oh figure. Uh, what is that What is that movie called? I don't remember. Oh, I love, oh, Jingle All the Way. Yes. And I love that, <laughs> put the cookie down. Oh, it's so good. What is the... Sorry, this is a tangent, everybody. What's the superhero's name? I don't remember, oh, honestly. It's been man, a long time since so I've seen that good. movie. You'll have to look it up. Uh, so anyway, good. the but reason But the Red Rider Bee began from uh, Christmas Story is another good example yes, of a Christmas toy that people went crazy for. Yes. Anyway, sorry. That's a tangent. Sorry. So, <laughs> why Elmo, you wonder, of all the Sesame Street characters? Yeah. But apparently it's because Elmo was voted by readers of Sesame Street Parents magazine mm. to be the most popular Muppet at the time. Right. Um, so anyway, 
for those people who don't know Tickle Me Elmo, firstly, you could Google it and there's tons of videos on YouTube of Tickle Me Elmo. But Tickle Me Elmo, basically, when you squished his stomach, he laughed and he laughed in a, uh, ha, 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 <laughs> It was the weirdest. <laughs> I'm not even going to do this really well. It's, uh, Ha, 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 he, he. <laughs> and then he jiggled. <laughs> he did, yes. Yeah. It was very strange. But kids loved it. Yeah. My kids actually really liked Tickle Me Elmo. They thought it was kind of fun. Um, they used to laugh at it. They were very small at the time, so they laughed at it. Um, anyway, with the first Tickle Me Elmo, it wasn't really popular to start with. It was just selling like a good selling toy, and it sold about 400,000 units before the American Thanksgiving in 1997. Mm. But after Rosie O'Donnell's talk show, it sold 600,000 units between October and December for Christmas time. And it was like a frenzy. Uh, There were some examples of a couple of women in Chicago who were arrested for fighting over a Tickle Me Elmo doll. (laughs) Uh, There was a store clerk in Fredericton, New Brunswick, who was injured in a stampede. He actually had a concussion, a broken rib, a pulled hamstring, and a bunch of bruises on, like, his jaw. Wow, that's for real stampede. Yeah, and apparently someone, like, ripped the uh, the leg out of his part of the leg of his pants off and stuff it was bizarre because and he was really just unloading a box (laughs) and they started stampeding in the store so it was strange Uh, but then you know the craze kind of died down after the first year and then later on they also released tickle me ernie tickle me big bird and tickle me cookie monster Ah, Uh, we actually had a tickle me big bird right (laughs) i have no idea what happened to that toy but uh, we did have one in our in our house. I remember them on the shelf. Like, I remember the Tickle Me Elmo's on a shelf. Yeah. Like, all on a shelf together. And I was a bit older, so we would go and turn them all on at the same time. Right. And so... <laughs> Boy. Interestingly enough, uh, so the other new Tickle Me dolls were not po- as popular as Elmo. They were still sold pretty well, but they weren't as popular. Uh, but then the craze of Tickle Me Elmo-type dolls didn't abate after one year so eventually it came back and it came back with some different things at their 10-year anniversary in 2006 there was a tickle me elmo 10 which went by tmx so 10 in roman numerals and the difference was that now elmo didn't just laugh he laughed but he also rolled on the floor and banged his hands on the floor while he was rolling on the floor laughing and it was uh they tried to uh avoid the trying having people squish their stomach and have all of them laughing at the same time on the shelf in that you couldn't actually see the Elmo doll until you bought it. Right. So you you could only it was weird. You yeah, could only it open a... it and look at its eyes. Oh. It was like through this little kind of holes in the box. Yeah. Um but uh and then when you got it home you could open it up and use it. Uh, and then again in 2012 it was released again but this time as LOL Elmo. <laughs> <laughs> Also sometimes known as Tickle Time Elmo. And then in 2017, like this isn't that long ago. No. In 2017, Play School released the toy again wow. as part of a lineup of Friends toys. Cool. So <laughs> Tickle Me Elmo. So then that led me on the tangent of other weird craze type uh, animals. The electronic um, ones, yeah. Yes, which got me to Furby. Oh. And I actually spent a lot of time reading about Furby, surprisingly enough. <laughs> Furby was so weird. Uh, for people who don't know Furby, it was like a cross between a hamster and an owl, according That's an to... That's description, yeah. yeah. And it was an electronic robot toy. It was released in 1998 by wow. a company called Tiger Electronics. Uh, if between 1998 and 2000, it sold 40 million 
units. Can you imagine them all out there? Yeah. The Hopefully weird thing about most Furby. Of their batteries are dead, I hope. <laughs> the, the weird and interesting thing is that Furby was considered the first domestically domestically aimed robot. So yeah. it was aimed at kids and people's homes. And the idea behind Furby, for those who don't recognize the Furby craze, is that Furby came in a little box and it started out speaking a language called Furbish which was a unique language that was developed for Furby. Um, but it was programmed to move from Furbish to English over time. Like it appeared that Furby was learning how to speak English. So if you were a little kid and you were learning how to speak English, Furby was the thing. And they actually re-released Furby many times. And a bunch uh, of different versions each time A lot too, of right? different like... versions. So they re-released it from 2005 to 2007. They re-released it in 2012. Weirdly, in 2012, it had LCD eyes and there was a mobile app. Everything started, you know, all the toys that started into the 2010s and beyond had some sort of digital connection, whether through an app or uh, mm. those kinds of things. And the original Furby retailed for $35. And you could get them online for all kinds of weird prices. Um, and they all had different personalities and people started to give them nicknames and you collected them just like beanie babies and stuff like yeah. that. Like all of these crazes, it's like having, if you go back to the sock monkey idea, having this idea of being able to personalize a toy that a lot of people might have. Yeah. And so, you know, people wanted their Furbies to be personalized. And I actually remember you could buy at the dollar store some clothing for, for Furbies, like hats and stuff like that, so that your Furby uh, was different from other people's Furbies if you were going to carry them around. <laughs> it sounds so weird. <laughs> so 2005, they re-released the Furby as an Emototronic Furby. So the reason, and then I went what on that, to like... What that, do you know what that means? Um, I think it just had more emotions. Oh, gosh. Yeah. I know if you're already creeped out by these <laughs> toys... The, <laughs> I'm, and I'm, I think they made Furby movies and cartoons, too. They were going to make a Furby movie, apparently, um, but the company that the Furby movie was going to be made by went out of business. Oh. Like, they went bankrupt. Darn. And the company who bought it has the rights for it, oh. but they have yet to make a Furby movie. Uh, but you winning. never know. It could yeah. happen. Yeah. It'll Definitely. come back. Yeah. Yeah. So then I wondered, why was this weird toy so popular? Um, and apparently the reason why it was popular was because it seemed like it was a smart toy. It was intelligent. It right. reacted to you. In actual fact, it didn't actually react to you, but it could react to you. Like those, um, you know, those little pocket... Uh... Yes, Tamagotchis. Yeah, that's yes. the thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah uh, well, it's part of this whole research. I could have gone in that whole direction, but I ran out of time. But mm. that would be super cool to, to research as well. Um, but the way that Furbies communicated, and I didn't know this at the time. I, maybe I did, but I don't remember. Is that they had a little infrared kind of thing between their eyes and they communicated between themselves through these infrared port. It's bizarre. Yes, I think I remember that. Um, there was also a weren't the, common... Sorry, weren't the first Furbies made without fur too? Didn't, were there Furbies without, that were just plastic or is that just me? A lot of their parts were plastic at the start. Right. Or maybe like McDonald's had a... Oh, it's possible, yeah. McDonald's yeah. had like mini Furbies or something yeah, like that? I can't possible. remember. But yeah, sorry. So there was this common misconception that Furbies repeated words that were said around them. Yes. But in actual fact, that wasn't true. It was possible <laughs> that to have the Furby say certain pre-programmed words or phrases more often by petting it whenever it said those words. Oh, weird. So it gave you the impression that it was repeating words 
But if you were petting it when it said common things, it would say that thing more often. Right. Which is strange. Um, so uh, this is a weird fact about Furby. As a result of this myth, several intelligent agencies around the world banned them from their offices. Yeah. Uh, but in actual fact, the, uh, the people that designed the Furby, the, um, the engineers and computer people that designed the Furby said that it didn't have any recording capacity at all. Right originally some but of the newer ones could. did actually but yeah. not that one in particular and they said nobody ever asked them they just create like there was this weird myth going around but nobody ever asked the manufacturer whether right. this was true or not so the things that furby could do other than speak was that uh it had a little motor in it that it could close its eyes yes which was weird and then it could move its ears up could, and down could it? yeah and it could lift its legs up so that oh. it looked like it was kind of floating or dancing oh gosh um, apparently, know. nowadays, the originals are popular with hackers, as they can be dissected and made to do interesting things. Like? Most, I don't know. Mostly <laughs> because they have advanced audio capabilities and this sensory interface, oh like that gosh. thing in between its eyes. So, Furbies also went on and came in different iterations over the years. I'm almost at the end. Uh, Furbies came out in 1999 originally, but they were, they were re-released in 2006, 2012, 2013, 2014, 2015, and 2016. Not that far, long ago. And there, in 2012, I thought sounded like the coolest Furbies, which was the Furby Party Rockers. <laughs> and they all had pre-programmed personalities. And most of them had iOS and Android apps to go with oh them. <laughs> so as it's the very so last thing on my list, I wrote down some Furby language words. Oh, so no. some Furbish. So I'm going to try out <laughs> Furbish here. So if you'd like to say you're hungry in Furbish, or no, you want to ask your Furby if it's hungry. Are you hungry? You can say, you need a do. Are you hungry? <laughs> You'd like to say, how are you? Uni-bo-do. <laughs> this isn't a very complicated language. No. You want to say what? It's just do. Yes is do-da. No is boo. And why do you not want to play with me is you. Wow. Which is weird. With the question marks, I guess so it would be right. you. You? <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, I got to the hour at this point, and I was, I, uh, that's as far as I was able to get, which was Furbish. Oh, I don't think I'm going to take up Furbish as a, a common language in my day-to-day -day life. No, it's too easy um, to mix up the words. Yeah, and they all sound like do or boo or da. Yeah. So, anyway, there I go. That was incredible. <laughs> that was really neat. That was fun. I, rem I, I feel like I remember maybe a, a, there's a spoof or a cartoon, one of the adult cartoons like Family Guy or something like that, that had a, there was a plot point where it was a Furby army. Oh, probably. Or something like that. And then that populates my nightmares fairly often. <laughs> Great. Toys like that were a little bit creepy. Like okay. you, you, they're just on the edge of creepy. Like little, little kids kind of liked them, but yeah. where does the draw the line at yeah. too much the, creepiness? The imagination fear part. Yeah. Takes you away. Yeah. That I think it was too late. I, I was too old for that for that part. Yeah. All right. So I started, like I said, with uh, Found Bunnies Adventures Through the Museum. So just a reminder to check that out on the footnotes uh, to the episode. I loved Found Bunny. Found Bunny was so fun. And we had the um, we had the Law and Order exhibit. There's a picture of Found Bunny like 
in jail on the floor <laughs> with the with the um the measurements behind them for like the mug shots oh yes yeah, yeah oh it's yeah. so oh, it's just the cutest thing ever so i feel like found bunny did go home especially yeah. because we made such a splash with those photos so yeah i think found bunny did go home so i started with found bunny but then i because I use teddy bear and stuffed animal somewhat interchangeably or pretty inter interchangeably, which is probably a mistake and heresy to most people, um, <laughs> I continued with the history of teddy bear, which is where, and we, we already chatted about the story of Teddy Roosevelt out on his hunting trip. Uh, so then I, I also ran into Morris uh, Mitchum, uh, who was inspired by the cartoon to make the, the, right. ted, the first teddy bear and called it Teddy's Bear. And then teddy bear culture exploded after that. Uh, not surprising. Not surprising at all. Absolutely. It's kind of the president's the head of, head of state. So when something gets involved with that level of attention, just like if the... It's like know, a celebrity or craze, like, uh, right? Or like Queen Victoria and Prince Albert with the, um, with the Christmas tree. Yeah. Um, kind of uh, craze. Yeah, celebrity craze. Exactly. Teddy bear culture exploded. There is a children's book series called The Roosevelt Bears. Which I wonder if it's kind of like the Bernstein Bears. You remember oh, the Bernstein yes, Bears? Oh, yes, I totally remember I the Bernstein Bears. I love the Bernstein Bears. Now, uh, the illustrations were so good. And there was a TV show as well. Yep. And later on, I rem I'm just remembering that the Bernstein Bears had, like, chapter books later on as well for, like, the young yeah, adults. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I totally remember that. The young adult set. The teddy bear also inspired the song, The Teddy Bear's Picnic. Oh, right. And you'll probably, if you remember where I ended up, you'll kind of right. guess oh, how yes. that happened. Okay. So the tune was composed in 1907, and the lyrics were added much later in 1932, and the song is pretty much the same. I think I have a version that is license-free, and so we're going to pause right now and play some of that. Cool. Yeah. Glad you enjoyed the teddy bears picnic. You should also check out the versions that Bing Crosby and Rosemary Clooney I also love Bing did. Crosby. Yeah, it's so the Bing Crosby version is exactly as how you'd imagine it to be. Yeah, Rosemary's version is pretty much as well how you'd imagine it to be. But lots of people have done the teddy bears picnic song. I had that in my head. I listened to like eight versions, and that's like 25 minutes. So I had that in my head for a while. Yeah, no doubt. And I decided to try to go somewhere else because the other question that I had was how you make them. Because teddy bears don't actually look like, I mean, they resemble a bear, but they aren't a replica of what an actual black bear looks like. Right. So I was trying to figure out how they, they went from like, what the black bear looks like yeah. and what a teddy bear looks like. First of all, it, that cartoon was the cartoon was the inspiration for teddy bears. So it was really about making things uh, as cute as possible. So over the years, teddy bears took on that more baby-like features. Yeah. And if we 
if we cut to what's the octopus's name? Ollie. Ollie the octopus. <laughs> There's some baby like features, like enormous eyes. Little um, tiny mouth. Little, little tiny mouth. <laughs> like that's the only way that you can describe her his her mouth is little tiny mouth. And the little arms. And the little arms. <laughs> so, giant head. <laughs> giant head, yeah. So um, they took on more features to enhance the cuteness levels. So I'd call the original teddy bear uh, a teddy bear and the new plush bears um, stuffed bears. That's probably how I would refer to That them. makes sense. Refer to them. Especially because the teddy bears usually have the articulating, I'm yeah. waving my arms around in the, <laughs> in the motion, the circular motions of which they can go. Um, so that also adds that like those hinges are at least on the teddy bear would have been wood. And so again, it's like that. There, it's not just a hundred percent right fluff in there. Stuffy. There's there is some hard stuff inside. So it's funny because I I would call a bunny a teddy bear because I use it interchangeably. Right, I would probably as well. But you're right. We're probably not purists in that sense. Yeah. <laughs> Believe it or not, the first teddy bear museum was opened in 1984 but it closed in 2006 and I don't know why there wasn't a lot of information about why it closed but maybe it's a private museum private museum but also probably because you weren't allowed to play with them right so they lose something in the uh, the being behind a glass case that you can't squeeze them in and as important they are as them. they are to like your childhood it is a niche collector item I think for sure so how many people would be interested to coming to see them behind the glass yeah yeah, yeah. Um, of course, the most famous teddy bear is Winnie, Winnie the, the Pooh. Pooh. <laughs> Winnie the Pooh. Um, thanks to Disney and so on. But uh, I left him alone since that story of Winnie the Pooh is so well told and widely available. Can I tell you a story about Winnie the Pooh? Yes, please. One of my kids had a, a Winnie the Pooh teddy bear when we were when he was a kid. We were someplace where we took we had to take him some. I think I think we had to take him to the doctors or something. Uh, in the middle of the night to the hospital. Mm -hmm. It wasn't serious, but, but anyway, we had to take him there. And putting him in his car seat, and I put Winnie the Pooh on the, on the top of the car oh, while no. he was going in the car seat. Now, when I say he had a Winnie the Pooh, it was more like he had Winnie the Pooh. Right. And you could not lose Winnie the Pooh. The he actual can't sleep. Yeah. He can't sleep. He can't do anything in life without Pooh attached to the end of his arm. And Winnie the Pooh on the top of our car did not end up home with us after no. this. It's the middle of the night, and we don't have his favorite stuffed animal for him. Thankfully, that like Winnie so the Pooh was still available at the store. Oh, so right. the next day, we had to go buy a new oh, Winnie the Pooh right. stuffed toy. Oh, <laughs> but he was, of course, much cleaner. So we had to explain why Winnie didn't look exactly the same as he did the day before. Um, he had a bath. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that actually happened to my, uh, to my nephew as well. But they had already bought a backup. Yeah, that, so, we did that later yeah. on. <laughs> yeah. Just because we expected it to happen. We did find the original as well, but oh man. It yeah. was a nightmare that night. Simil I feel like yeah. so many parents can relate. <laughs> that, thank you for telling me that. So I didn't go down the Winnie the, Pool, Winnie the Pooh into rabbit's hole, basically, because that story's already out there a, a lot, so we don't need to talk about that. But I did want to figure out how teddy bears are made. Sure, I can talk about it, but why would I talk about it 
when there's a video oh my gosh. from the Vermont factory. You should uh, teddy bear watch factory. this video before you started. <laughs> yeah, it's true. You're going to have to press pause on this podcast and go watch the video. So we'll put the video in the uh, in the footnotes to the episode and or if you or if you're listening to the podcast off the blog on one of our other platforms. Just YouTube Vermont Vermont Teddy Bear Factory tour and you'll find it. Weird. It's really cool. They interview the owner as well and they talk about how how they make it so they use a ton of, like a ton of layers on this fabric that gets compressed yeah. they cut it out they they start making the limbs and the head and they stuff each piece individually and then eventually they put it together with the hinges and the and then the body gets sewn up on the back by hand there's a lot of stuffing in a teddy bear a lot if Apparently, you've ever broken one apart there's yeah. a lot no i don't want to you can't get it back in <laughs> no no for yeah. sure they were talking in the video, and you'll see this in the video that it take that they use recycled uh, plastic water bottles as the stuffing, all oh, ground cool. like like shredded basically. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Into stuffing, and it, it they can fill a bear like a regular sized teddy bear with twenty eight bottles. Wow, isn't that wild? That is wild. That's pretty like, cool. Uh, yeah, it's really cool to see it. It's it's uh it's a really cool video. So definitely check it out. But then because I couldn't get the song out of my head, <laughs> I had to go back, and I got lost in the information about how the song because it was so early. Uh, yeah. Recorded, and it's one of the most pop, one of the first hits, basically, the Teddy Bear's Picnic, because it's such a great tune. Oh, wow, right? what a so, difference between like what's a hit now versus uh, then. I know. Would that song ever be a hit now? <laughs> uh, probably. Pr- well, it's hard because in 1907 it was just the just the music. Right. So it's a, a big orchestral inter I- version of the song, right. okay. and then in the 30s it was yeah, yeah. The, the tune was added. But in the 30s, it was a hit as well. And I don't think it was a hit for Bing and Rosemary by the time it got to the 50s. But the, it was on, like, so many people have included it on their children's albums. Like, Anne Murray has a version of the Teddy Bears Picnic. <laughs> Lots of other people do. So anyway, so I got lost in Edison Records. And Edison Records was the sort of the company that bought the rights to making the wax cylinders. Oh, yeah. With the Edison's National Phonograph Company. And they made uh, wax cylinders from 1896 to about 1926. Wow. Yeah, so the Edison wasn't really involved in the phonograph after. He went and focused on other things. But yeah, the Edison record company was basically the first major record company label, I guess, and made wow. all these cool things. Unfortunately, they didn't move out of cylinders, and so they d- they couldn't keep up with the market after that. Yeah. Um, so they were, this was really the first way to record music and have it be mass produced and retailed to make it widely available for the middle and the upper classes, of course, because it was expensive technology. Yeah. The first version of Today's the Day the Teddy Bears Have Their Picnic, <laughs> without words, was recorded in 1907 on an Edison cylinder. So that's kind of that's where I ended up. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, it's amazing that things are con- so many things can be connected, like oh, this man. success of the Edison Recording Company would have had something to do with the fact that they were able to sell this this song that was so popular. Yeah. You know, if they hadn't had a popular song like that, would it have led to the kind of success that they were able to have for however as many years as they did? And, is the and question, too, really. it makes sense for something to sweep the nation really quickly, like a brand to sweep the nation yeah. via social media today. But Teddy Bear, the name Teddy Bear came out in 1902, and then a song called Teddy Bear's Picnic came out in 1907. Yeah. So, like... That's that's wild. It is. Yeah. Yeah. 
That's pretty neat. It's that a was a fun rabbit hole. It was a couple of rabbit holes. Great. Yeah, and we didn't go. We were on tangents for sure at this oh, time man. around. Like lots of times we stay kind of linear, but this time around the tangents were all over the place. I ran out of time because I was watching that factory <laughs> video and then listening to every version of Teddy Bear's Picnic. I challenge everyone to listen to every version. <laughs> You'll have an earworm after that. Yes, that's right. <laughs> awesome. Thanks for coming down the rabbit hole with us. Make sure to subscribe to One Hour in the Past and the museum's other podcast, Museum Chat Live, on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, so you don't miss those historical adventures down the rabbit hole. We're always looking for ideas to spend one hour in the past researching. If you have a topic you'd like to see us tackle, connect with us at www.facebook.com forward slash St. Catherine's Museum or on Twitter and Instagram at at STC Museum. We're so looking forward to chatting with you all again on our next episode of One Hour in the Past. One Hour in the Past is produced by us, Kathleen Powell and Adrian Petrie, and brought to you by the St. Catharines Museum and Welland Canal Centre and the City of St. Catharines.